So I wanted to offer some reflections tonight and then maybe invite you to do some reflecting. And so I think I'll start with a passage that I came across recently in um, Wes Nisker's new, new book, which is entitled Crazy Wisdom Saves the World Again. It's, if you want fun Dharma reading, if there is such a thing, this is your book for sure. <clears throat> and he's talking about how important it is to have a big picture of what's going on. And so he says, first and foremost, keep a big perspective in your pocket, ready to be unfurled in your head at a moment's notice. The big perspective is your spiritual juice, the view glue that connects you to everything else and inspires both your effort and humility. It reminds us that we are working on a long-term project here and not to measure success according to election election cycles or decades or even centuries. Life has been working on this survival issue for at least three and a half billion years and it's always managed to find a way to work things out in one shape or another. So, one of the people that I often listen to and go to teachings with is the Dalai Lama. He's not a Theravadan Buddhist, but he's a wonderful teacher. And like every teacher that I've ever encountered, including the Buddha, if you pay enough attention to him, you realize that he's got a shtick. He's got something that over and over again he talks about. And one of the things that the Dalai Lama talks about is how incredibly interconnected that we all are. That we are not separate isolated little chunks of being, but that we are truly, deeply connected um, in terms of being, um, that no one person is really separate from any other person. And so he likes to remind us that, um, you know, this is the reason why you're kind to other people and why you help other people, because it's like you're helping yourself. And one of the images, I don't know whether I can say this in a way that works for you all, but it always interests me. You know, I think of human beings. And I think about how, you know, here you are, you, you pop out of somebody else's body, right? And then you grow up and... Maybe if you're the female form, other beings pop out of your body, so you're kind of oozing along, right? And after a while, some of the older bodies die off, they stop, but the ones that are out in front keep having more beings popping out of them. And so the whole race kind of spreads and continues and... And that, that my sense of that, if you can get any sense of it from what I'm saying, <coughs> is that it reminds me, 
that we are truly physically connected to each other. <coughs> Goodness. Mm. So now you're going to have to breathe and think about babies popping out of bodies for a moment. Mm. And <coughs> we create enormous distress in our world by forgetting how connected we are. And we create enormous suffering when we, as one author who's writing about the Dalai Lama says, um, when we imprison ourselves in different categories, that cr- the categories that make an us and a them. You know, we are usually we are the ones who are right and okay, and they are the ones who are not. And <clears throat> the Dalai Lama actually says that when we do this, when we create separation and when we say, well, you know, that, that there's this thing that is true, but it's only true for a certain category of people, he says, that can't be a truth. You know, that can't be a truth because it's not a human truth if it's not true for everybody. So, one of the connections that actually exists in our world um, is the connection that comes with our lineage and to the people who have taught us and practiced over the years. And I wanted tonight, I got an, an email earlier this week from James Barris, who's one of the Spirit Rock teachers, and he was um, talking about um, how he had, at his sitting, offered all of the dana at that sitting for um, a foundation that's working in Burma with the refugees from the cyclone and the people who have suffered so much. And as I thought about it, I realized I wanted to do that, and when you go to look at the dana basket tonight, you'll see that it says Foundation for the People of Burma, and I'll say some more about that in a little bit. Um, but I particularly got interested and have been following it closely, as I'm sure many of you have, because Burma is one of the sources of this particular lineage of practice. And we don't talk so much on, at, at these meetings about you know where does this practice come from. So I wanted to mention a little bit about it and and um, offer it to you as a a way that it may feel like Burma's a long ways away and it's on the other side of the world and you know it's a very different kind of repressive culture right now. But it's also the place where Theravadan Buddhism in Burma and in Thailand and in Sri Lanka really grew and blossomed in all of the years since the time of the Buddha. <laughs> and the forest lineage, which is the lineage that um, Arjan Chah and those um, teachers, the monks up in Ukiah come from, also come from the forests of Burma as well as the forests of Thailand. And so many of my teachers and many of my colleagues, although not myself, um, have practiced in Burma. And some of the great Burmese teachers, Mahasi Sayada and Upandita and uh, Ubakin and many of the other great Burmese teachers have come here and have taught. And so part of why we are here 
is because all of those people have practiced in Burma. And our good friend and colleague, Bob Stahl, who teaches here, was a monk in Burma for a while. And, um, some of you might even remember his wonderful friend, Vesa Raja, who came to visit us some years ago and who lives in the roots of a banyan tree someplace in Burma. I believe he's still there, actually. Um, so, so there's this incredible tie and connection and connectedness. And, and it seemed, as, as I wanted to invite you to offer to send the dana tonight to the people of Burma, I also wanted to invite all of us to think about how, how, how important it is. You know, the world, sometimes it feels to me like the world is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and certainly as we consider things like global warming and climate change, we begin to see how, how th- things in one part of the world really obviously affect things in the other part of the world. So, so beginning to have this bigger picture of what is it to be, you know, the, some of the catchphrases are things like a global village and what is it to be this interconnected or in the words of the Dalai Lama what would it be to um, consider every being that you met to be someone that you were related to because in the Tibetan way of understanding things you probably, if not this lifetime you were in another lifetime that person's mother or brother or or, uh, child and so it's a way of saying um, Every, every person on the planet is connected to you and every person is worth, worth meeting in that way. I hope this is making sense. It's not feeling to me like it's making sense. So I trust that you'll pick out some little pieces of it and chew on them and, and they will help. Joanna Macy um, talks about um, a vision of interdependence that is so radical, she says, that no factor or no constituent element can be understood in isolation in its own separate self-existence. So, so each, each element of our planet, each person, isn't isolated or separate. And, and the suffering that happens because of not only because of the forces of nature that created the cyclone, but then the subsequent um, lack on the part of the, the Burmese government of, of dealing with it, um, it may feel like it doesn't affect us, but it does. And the understanding is that in some deep and very real way, it's very much as though, as though your, you know, your right foot were you know, in some way badly damaged and in danger of becoming sicker and sicker. And so these, these family of ours in Burma um, really need our support. So I'm going to read you one thing from Joanna Macy, and then I'm going to suggest that we have some conversation um, about this, and then we'll see what happens next. Joanna is a wonderful teacher who, who um, 
who says that, if I can find this, she talks about um, falling in love outward, that it's important to fall in love outward instead of inward. And she says, the vitality of Buddhism today is most clearly reflected in the way it is being brought to bear on social, economic, political, and environmental issues. She says, the gate of the Dharma does not close behind us to secure us in a cloistered existence, aloof from the turbulence and (coughs) suffering of samsara, so much as it leads us out into a life of risk for the sake of all beings. As many Dharma brothers and sisters discover today, the world is our cloister. The Dharma wheel, as it turns now, also tells us this, that we don't have to invent or construct our connections. They already exist. We already and indissolubly belong to each other, for that is the nature of life. So even in our haste and hurry and occasional discouragement, and disagreement, I might add. We belong to each other. We can rest in that knowing and stop and breathe and let that breath connect us with the still center of the turning wheel. So, you know, that's a very, that's a big picture to really begin to have that sense of the interconnectedness of all beings and that... um, it's not so very different from the vision of chaos theory where, you know, if the butterfly flaps its wings in Boston, then the big storm happens in China. It's, it's, it's a way of saying that every piece of it is interconnected. So I thought I'd like to invite us to do a little inquiry together tonight and suggest that um, you gather yourselves in groups of two or three and just explore how would your life what would your life look like if you took, if you carried the big picture in your pocket, if you really understood yourself to be that interconnected um, to the rest of the, the world, forward and backward in time? So a really, really big picture. It's not even just a current time question. Is that, is that clear, relatively clear, what the question is? What would it be if you had, if you carried, like Wes says, if you had that big picture in your pocket that you could unfurl in your mind at any moment, how would it change your life? That's really what I'm asking you. How would it change your life? Would it? Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe you already do it. So there's lots of different answers to this question. And just take five or ten minutes, and then I'll ring the bell, and we'll come back and see where we are. So just groups of three or four, just kind of gather, and I'd like to invite people not to leave at this point but really to stay and have this conversation. The big picture doesn't allow you to leave. And if you don't know each other, please be sure to find out who it is you're talking to. I'll let you know when you're about halfway through. Make sure everybody gets a chance to talk. Are you looking for a group? There's two people right here. Needing a group.